when we think about God's grace, his love for us, his care for us. So we are trying to do a kid-friendly er, and er is the operative word here. So it's a regular worship service, something to encourage your parents, who have, if you're with your children, try to discuss with them afterwards. Are they picking up anything? But let them see you worship God. And just so you know, the props up here, this is not part of the sermon. This is for kids' club. So uh, I'm not going to be using the props, but maybe that makes it kid-friendlier as well. It is nice to be back with you and be able to, uh, to look at the life of Elisha again. And you remember there's two of those two great prophets, Elijah, who was the older one, and then he turns the work over to Elisha, who were working in the land of Israel back in the Old Testament time. And Elijah's known more, and yet Elisha is going to teach us more about taking God seriously in our day. Before we look at the word, I do want to just mention a few things. Uh, one, some people still ask whenever they see me, are you still here? And the answer is yes, um, till the end of November. And so I'll be finishing up. And, and I was just thinking about it. It's hard for me to think about, but I started as a pastor in Galveston, Texas in 1986. And I've been a pastor through all of those times. I've always been a pastor and I'll finish up here in two months. And so uh, I'm, if you want to pray for me and for us, just pray that it finish well. That's all I'm praying. And uh, I do want to let you know I'm going to be telling a little bit more about what I'm doing in the days ahead. And uh, the Subi Monthly News, which I hope you open that when you get it, the Subi Monthly News, I'm just going to share a little bit, just a paragraph or two of what's, going, of what's coming up for me. Uh, but I, I want to recognize that my great passion, the reason why Sharon and I came to Australia, is to serve this church, and we want this church to be light, a beacon, and for God to use this church. And I'm praying that this week will be a great week in the life of this church as we have Kids Club. Just so you know, uh, we asked last week that people would come forward and volunteer, fill in the gaps, better late than never, remember? And... Everything's been filled, that and beyond. And so we are ready for Kids Club. We are ready, and there's just a few small things they're going to do before we start on Monday, but you were asking everybody to be in prayer for Kids Club this whole week, Monday through Friday, and uh, it's going to be a great time. So thanks already to all those who have served so faithfully, who have done so much, and now we get the joy of sharing the gospel with the children of our church, other churches, our community, and it's a great thing. We're still praying, as you know, for the senior pastor search, so let's stay praying for that and stay faithful with that. We've been praying every week for uh, peace in Ukraine, and I'm aware that Russia has annexed portions of Ukraine uh, this weekend, just this week. Let's just stay, pray for peace. Again, Putin has said he's not afraid of using nuclear weapons. Pray for peace. We just got to keep praying for it. Major hurricane occurred in, uh, in America, going through Florida. I have a number of family who live in Florida. They are all safe, not all their property, but they are safe. And um, even recognizing that, that Cuba had that hurricane come through, I heard about 90% were without electricity. It's a major need around our world as we recognize what's going on. 
We also recognize uh, some instability going on as we think about economies, world economies, what's happening in Europe. We just pray for grace, and that's why we need to stay in prayer. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me right now. If you have something that you want to pray before the Lord, just pray silently. He'll hear you. His grace is there. It's sufficient. And then I'll lead you in prayer. Almighty God, we've thought about who you are, creator of heaven and earth. God of grace and mercy, the one who has given us our Lord Jesus Christ and who gives us hope and salvation. Father, we know that in this world we have tribulation. And there are many who are facing tribulation right now. And we know and continue to pray for the persecuted church. We pray for those who are refugees. We pray for those who are in war zones, for those who are in the path of natural disasters. We pray for those who have lost even this past week. And Father, we ask for your grace once again. Father, I pray also for this nation as we've been praying for years. We pray for revival. And we know it hasn't come yet, and so we keep praying and asking for revival in Australia. Father, we pray for this church. Lord, you've called us to be a light, a beacon on this corner, and we've been here for over 100 years. And you have watched over us, and you have blessed us, and you will bless our future. We trust in you. But I do pray that you would bless this coming week as we do Kids Club together. Father, I pray for all the children and the families who will be represented. I pray that it would be an amazing week of ministry. For those that do not know the love of God through Jesus Christ our Lord, I pray that it would be a week of salvation. Father, I thank you for all those who have already volunteered, who have already served, who've done so much work to make this week possible. And I pray that it would be a blessing to them as well. Father, we thank you that we can trust in you as we've been praying for that, that next senior pastor, that who you already know who that person is, and we simply ask that you would make it evident to them and to us. And we pray your blessing upon our elders, our deacons, our staff, our church. Father, give us unity. Keep us focused on what you have called us to do. And may we do it together, and may we do it for your glory. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we're looking at this thought of taking God seriously. And I want you to take something seriously today, and that is God's compassion. His compassion. Now, I'm going to begin, and this is part of that kid-friendly er thing, so I'm going to begin, and I'm going to talk about superheroes. So it, it, when I grew up in Texas, and sometimes when we wanted to be Superman, we would get a tea towel, and mom would put these pins on our shoulders, and we'd jump around in our backyard with these white tea towels like we were Superman. And then you grow up, and you recognize, no, I, I'm not Superman. Uh, I'm more like Clark Kent. That's, that's the reality. So uh, for a lot of us, we just need to recognize we're, we're not superheroes. So 
I want you to think about the superheroes and the alter egos. So let's take a look at the first one. We've got, um, so you know who this is, Spider-Man. And the alter ego is who? Peter Parker, yeah. So again, I'm not trying to be rude, but men, for most of us, we're more like Peter Parker on a good day than Spider-Man. Okay, now for the women, let's go to uh, Wonder Woman. So uh, this woman uh, over here, she is Diana Prince. I had to learn that this week. She is a curator at, of antiquities at the Louvre in Paris. But she's also Wonder Woman. Now, women, I know you do amazing things, absolutely amazing things, but you are probably not Wonder Woman, a superhero. Probably not. You're more like the curator at the Paris Museum. You do great things, intelligent things, really complicated things, but you're not a superhero. And then uh, let me go back to, uh, to uh, Superman. And again, Clark Kent, the mild manner guy. I realize I used to pin that, uh, those tea towels on my shoulders. I'm still more like Clark Kent. I'm not anything like Superman. Now, uh, one more guy. Can you tell us, put this next person up. I want you to see if you know who this is. Who is this? Okay, he's not a superhero, he's just a super spy, but he has a license to what? Oh, you guys are amazing. I wish you knew, when I do Bible trivia, I don't do as well as you do on that. Okay, you're amazing. Okay, he has a license to kill. I've got a driver's license. And you know what? They're going to take it away from me if I don't drive safe. This guy can drive as reckless as he wants. He can have all the, all the guns he wants. And he has a license to kill. I'm nowhere close to James Bond. And I hate to say this, men, for most of you out here, neither are you. Now, what does that mean? Does God care about the details in my life if I'm not saving the world? If not, I'm not a superhero saving the universe every once in a while. Well, of course, God cares about the big things in our lives, our weddings, birth, death. But what about everyday things? And sometimes we look around at all the things that are happening in our world, and we've prayed about some of them. We recognize there's a major conflict going on in Ukraine with Russia right now and the threat of nuclear weapons. We recognize there's major storms in our world. We recognize there's financial challenges in our world. But what about the day-to-day -day stuff that I lived through not being a superhero? Just health stuff, financial stuff, relationship stuff, day-to-day -day stuff, job stuff, work stuff. Does God even care? It's interesting, the psalmist at one point paused and, and he looked at the world around him, even the stars in the sky, and he thought, man, these are magnificent, these are amazing. And he, by the way, didn't have the, the satellites and the telescopes that we had. And he asked a question based upon what he saw. Look over at Psalm 8. I'm just going to read two verses. Psalm 8, he says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. In other words, he may not know all you know about the universe, but he can look at the stars in the sky and recognize, I feel pretty insignificant. Who am I among this magnificent creation 
that God would even care about me and you. So what I want us to do is take the compassion of God seriously and think about what that means to you because God, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, is going to be compassionate with some guys who lose a piece of iron. And for many of us, we think, yeah, so what? But God cares. That's the point. What I want to affirm, I want you to affirm as well, is something very important about our God. Look at 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we read from God's word. Second Kings 6, verse 1. The company of the prophets said to Elisha, Look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. He said, Go. Then one of them said, Won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied, and he went with them. This is pretty mundane type stuff. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. The man of God asked, where did it fall? Then he showed him the place. Elisha cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. That's the story. That's God's word, and it's going to be an important passage for you and me today. Let me ask you to be seated. Two thoughts. First, as we deal with this passage, God cares about the seemingly insignificant things in my life. Now, this story I just read to you is certainly not an earth-shaking event. It's probably not newsworthy in a lot of places. Why would I care? Because this is happening in the Old Testament thousands of years ago, why should I even care about someone losing an axe head? How is that possibly relevant to my life or to your life? Well, it's a curious story. Let's get the big picture. They, they need a bigger meeting place. And so they say, let us go build a place where, for us to live. The meeting could be like a dormitory, but the idea here could also be a, a place to assemble where we live in community together. Elisha comes and they start cutting trees and there's a problem with the axe head. Now, just recognize we're in the Iron Age. It's a different world than our age. Iron Age began around 1200 BC. And so to have a, a piece of iron that is an axe head, it would have to be forged in a large fire, very hot, and then it would have to be uh, shaped and sharpened. It was not common to own an axe like that, made of iron in their day. It was very high tech for them. And it was a labor-saving device. So here they are chopping down these trees, and then they all watch as this iron axe head, when it's being uh, swung, it doesn't hurt anybody, but it just kind of goes off into the air, and they see this thing heading off into the air and plopping right into the Jordan River, 
And you may think, well, why don't they just go out and pick it up? Well, I take it that it was deep. The other thing is, I'm aware of the ancient Israelites. They weren't really into water sports like the Australians, okay? So it doesn't seem to be anybody there who could say, no problem, we'll just go retrieve it. They feel like it's lost. Now, it's a trifecta of crisis, right? Now, this is a major crisis for them. Number one, the work stops. Work stops because you lost the, the, the axe uh, head. Second, it's lost. The, the iron axe head is lost. And third, it's borrowed. It's like in our day, and this may be a poor illustration, but it'd be like in our day, you need to move some, some heavy furniture. And yeah, you could get uh, you know, a bunch of guys and you need to move it you know, several kilometers away. You can get a bunch of guys to just carry it on their backs and they can uh, manhandle the stuff. Yeah, sure, you could try that, but it's not, it's not that good. But if someone lent you a ute and you could put it on there, now we're talking, okay? Now, you borrowed the ute, you crashed the ute, you're okay, but the ute is totaled. Well, the work stops, right? And the ute is dead, and it's borrowed, and by the way, they don't have insurance on it. It's a problem, so that's what's going on here. We actually have a problem, so just be aware, I know it's not your iron axe head, and it's not your problem, but it was a real problem for them, and you may not care that much, but who does? God cares. So what Elisha does, the prophet of God, what he does is he takes a stick, they point out the general area where the, um, the axe head flew into the water, and he throws that stick out there, and it leads to a miracle, the axe head floats. Now, I'm going to read from the King James because I still remember reading from this. When we had the King James, it was kind of the thing that you had to learn from, and it had some interesting language, and I still remember this language, so it goes like this. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he shewed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it thither, we should keep using the King James language, don't you think? And he cast it thither, and the iron did, notice the word, swim. When I learned this story as a kid in the King James, I'm thinking that iron is doing a dog paddle or something like that. I mean, it swam. You know, it's probably not that sophisticated doing the Australian crawl, but, but you know, swam. And, and then the NIV comes along and just says, what, floated. I like the King James. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, so, so what's going on in this story? What's the big idea? Well, accidents happen all the time. We recognize that. People lose their jobs, their savings, their homes, sometimes loved ones. We're recognizing as what we've seen in Florida, major hurricane, lots of problems. This isn't just talking about an ax head in Florida. We're talking about homes destroyed, lives lost. These things happen. How about the seemingly insignificant things? You know what? They're not too small for God. I mean, that's what I'm getting from this, is that why should God even care? Why should he expend a miracle, because he doesn't do it all the time, on this? But he cares. It's not too small for him. One of the things that we want to recognize is that 
if he cares about the axe head, then he cares about me. What is humankind that you are even mindful of us, that you even care about us? Caring is an important thing for us. Back uh, years ago, this was back in the 80s, there was a, a hostage, it was a hostage in Lebanon named Frank Reed. He was an American educator. He was a hostage for three and a half years, often blindfolded, often he felt very isolated, sometimes tortured, sometimes sick. But he did an interview for Time Magazine and in that interview, he said this, what was the worst thing about being a captive for three and a half years? And he said, nothing I did mattered to anyone. I began to realize how withering it is to exist with not a single expression of caring around me. So despite the torture, despite the hunger, despite the illness, he said what mattered the most was, I don't think anyone cared. And he said, I learned one overriding fact. Caring is a powerful force. If no one cares, you are truly alone. Here's what I want you to know. God paid attention to the axe head. And he pays attention to me and you. He cares for us. It's part of who he is. It's his character. He cares for us. Now, I want to prove that to you, especially now that we have the gospel, the full gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the promises of God and the clarity of the gospel that God cares for you because sometimes we can feel like Frank Reed. We can wonder, does anyone care about me? Is anyone out there who cares? Let me bring to our second point this thought. I matter to God. If God won't let a prophet lose an axe head, he certainly won't lose me when I put my hope in him. We started by reading from Romans 8 as our scripture reading. I want to highlight Romans 8 and begin this time in verse 30, just the verse before, and then pick up those last two verses again. But here's what, uh, here's what he says in Romans 8, verse 30. And those he predestined, in other words, this is an act of God before you were even born. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So same people all the way through down the line. Before you were born, after you die, in eternity, he also glorified. What should we say in response to this? And here's how he concludes this thought in verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from what? The love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That love, that compassion of God, there is nothing, nothing in our world that can separate us from that. So here's what I want you to think about. I am loved by God, and nothing can ever change that fact. Say that with me. I am loved by God. Say that part. I am loved by God. Say it with some enthusiasm. I am loved by God, and nothing can ever change that fact. Say that with me. And nothing can ever change that fact. 
Now, once we get that into our minds, because that's what the Apostle Paul wants us to hear, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he goes through all the list, whatever he can put up, whether it's angels or demons, whatever it is, life or death, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so once we get that into our minds, we recognize there's a reality that's part of our lives. And it's who we are in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to go to John chapter 10. Because Jesus is going to pick up this idea of being the good shepherd, what that means to him. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd. And then verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And so if you look at the progress of this passage, my sheep, what are my sheep? The people who belong to Jesus. My sheep, what do they do? They listen to my voice. So we listen. What does Jesus do? He says, I know them. I know in an intimate way, not just know of them, I know them. What do we do? They follow me, Jesus says. We follow Jesus. What does Jesus do? I give them eternal life. What's the result of that? They will never perish. Can anything happen? Could something happen where we somehow leave the hand of God, leave the hand of Jesus? Is there any way that can be snatched from us? No one. Now, I've heard some people say to this passage, well, yeah, no one can snatch you out of his hands, but you can jump out. No, you can't. No, you can't. You think God's going to lose you. He didn't lose the axe head. He's not going to lose you. When I feel insignificant, I need to think about this. I belong to Jesus Christ. When the circumstances of my world seem overwhelming, I belong to Jesus Christ, and he is the good shepherd, and he cares. Look at John chapter 6, verse 39. Again, our Lord Jesus speaking, and he says this, and this is the will of him who sent me. I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but I will raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to his Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and here's what he will do. I will raise them up on the last day. You know what I like about the story in, in 2 Kings 6? God raises up the iron axe head. It swims, as it were, King James Version, floats. For us, on the last day, he raises us up. And who shall stop that? God is for us. Who can be against us? One of the things we've experienced in recent days as we've come through COVID, and I recognize there's some relaxation of, of uh, COVID restrictions again, but it, it felt like a lot of isolation. We saw a lot of mental illness and fears, and, 
and uncertainties, and, and now we recognize where we're kind of through it, but we still feel like there's a lot of uncertainties in our world, in our society. We live in a sinful time. Will evil overwhelm us? And here's the point. God, we have a God who cares about us. Others may not think that what you do, what I do, is very significant, and you are not a superhero, and neither am I. But God cares about us. That sustains us. That motivates us. That challenges us. Where do we start? Well, we start with the gospel. My sheep hear my voice. What did Jesus say? I'm the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. What did Jesus say? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus points to himself, and we need to point to Jesus. We just cling to those promises, to those words. I am loved by God. and Nothing can ever change that fact. So what I'm asking you to do today, I want you to think about the challenges of your world and recognizing you're not a superhero. And yet we have a God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, who cares. In our world, what we face may seem insignificant, but we have a God who cares. The God of the Old Testament, the same God that we serve, he was mindful of that small group of prophets who lost an axe head, and he's mindful of you and me. What burdens you, we bring to God. Cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Pray with me now. Bring your burdens, bring your thoughts, bring your concerns to the Lord and receive his peace.